I have to self-motivate. I have to come up with a plan. I have to make things happen on my own. What's going on? What's good? What are you what are you drinking? Which one? Sweet Malox. Lox, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Cheers, Jesse. Thanks. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. I'm doing a little bit of bamboo. I'm doing a little nice. bit of bamboo. Nice. I appreciate the care package too. Beautiful. Um, so for, for 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 you and for 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 everybody listening, I'm Brett Barish. I get to I get to drink alcohol all day long. Uh, That's nice. I like that. Um, I own a bunch of brands, whether it's uh, uh, Bamboo Rum. Have you tried it, Jesse? Do you know this brand? I haven't, I haven't tried it yet, but I, I'm going to try it in the next day or so for sure. Did you? Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it before? I have not. No. Well, we got to get you on the. We got to get you on the wagon. And then this is my newest one. I don't know if you've seen this, McQueen in the Violet Fog. Yes. I, no, I just saw that. That's part of my package, though. Sweet. No, 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 definitely. Definitely. I just want to know if you if you knew it before. And then you know Bel Air, the Black yes, Bottle. Yes, yeah, yes. you know Bel Air. And then the my Black, past... bo Black Bottle Boys. There you go. And then <laughs> my, my past friend, Jesse, I don't know if you know, was uh, Armando Brignac, Ace of Spades. Yes. And you know, uh, I think we, we uh, I did a party once with House, it was called House of Hype. Oh, I remember, with, of course. Uh, and you sponsored. Of course. So thank you. Of my course. Of course. It was Sam Hirsch? No, Sam Kuwafa. Hey, of course, of course, of course. Well, I appreciate you you taking the time with me. This is fun because uh, 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 I get to do something we started a couple of years ago called Self Made, Aunt Jesse, and it's the idea of uh, of it started with the brands and and everybody hopefully with my brands. If you see it, they're holding the bottles. They're they're holding it. They want to be seen with it. It's about you and having that moment. And it turned into this idea of, of being self-made. And then we turned it into talking to different people, whether everybody you know, from uh, from Fat Joe to Ross to uh, in the music space, Post Malone to Nipsey, to, and then in the sports space and, and entertainment. And I get to hear great stories about kind of up and coming. And to me, it's supposed to be about motivating. And I, I get most motivated by the shit I've gone through. I'm not not good stuff, the bad stuff. Um, that's where I get my motivation. But I wanted to ask you a two-part question. First, the first question regarding self-made, what does that mean for you? For me, you know, um, I have this conversation with a lot of people because I feel like Self-made is, you know, being self-motivated. So uh, there's so many people, especially in the industry, that um, want to place blame on other people, right? So when you talk to them and their career is not doing well, it's their agent's fault. It's the manager's fault. Like, And I'm like, and I, I always tell them, how, how do you put so much power of your life in somebody else's hands? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're never going to hear me blaming somebody else for my career. It's my career. Yeah. So, you know, I have to self-motivate. I have to come up with a plan. I have to make things happen on my own. You know, so for me, that's how I always live my life. And I try to preach that to so many people because so many people think that somebody else has a magic wand and they're just going to make them a star or they're going to make them what they want to be. And they rely so much on the help from others. And, and I've always been one that, you know what, 
if I if I'm gonna get somewhere, I gotta do it myself and I gotta figure it out. And yes, people do help you along the way, but people that have made it, like people always say, Hey Jesse, you know everybody in the industry. Why don't you ask this person? Why don't you ask that person? And I always tell them, I say, everybody's asking. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I'm always about hustling and doing my own thing. And I said, when the time is right, those people, they're noticing, you know, and, and when it comes time, they'll turn all the lights on because they know that, you know what, Jesse deserves it. He put in his work and anybody that's at the top is self-made. So they know what the, that the journey's hard. So it's funny because the way you describe it, I can appreciate because I always tell people you couldn't take the, the head of the president of Bacardi and put him in my role because he hasn't, I'm I'm making the assumption, he didn't have to do all the shit at the bottom to get to the top. Meaning, meaning if you've experienced everything, you've got to be self-sufficient, right? And that's what you've done. You've, you've been the writer, you've been the, you've held the camera, you've done the, you've done every step of the way. So you know how to do it. Does that you know what I'm saying? No, of course. You know, you know. For me, it's um, you learn a different level of respect for the craft when you've come from the bottom all the way to the top. Because when I walk on set and I look at people in different positions, I once held those positions. Yeah. And that's what I what I tell people. I say, you know what? What there's a lack of is self motivated people. Yep. And people that work really hard. It doesn't matter what you're doing on set. If you're excelling, you're busting your ass, and you're working hard, people notice because that's a rare thing. Yep. You know, it's a rare thing. So sometimes I'll see a PA. I'll see somebody in craft service. I'll see some an electrician. I'm like, wow, this kid has been busting his ass all day. And I'll walk over there and say, hey, man, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll, and I'll acknowledge his hard work because that's rare to see. You know, a lot of people are phoning it in. They're just there and they try to wait till the hours are done, you know? And then you have people that carry a certain level of passion. And that, that's what I look for. So so my second part question is, because I was thinking about you today, is you, you get to see all these artists who've made it. What do you think they all have in common? What do you, like... If you had to pick one thing that they all kind of. I would say ambition. I would say it's ambition, you know, and it's a a certain level of drive that sometimes everybody possesses, but people don't tap in, you know, and I think that it's ambition because when you're chasing something, you're chasing the victory, you're chasing a certain level of success. And that doesn't have a price tag. Some people think that they're chasing money. Yeah. But that's not what it is because then at some point you would stop because you would say, you know what, I've made money. I have some of the things that I wanted to get and I dreamed about getting, but that's not what's driving you every morning when you get yeah. up. It's like for me, you know, you go project to project, right? So it's like I create something in my mind. It's my new baby and I got to give birth to it and I got to yeah. see it grow. Yep. And then I got to see it till it gets becomes a teenager and graduates college. And then when it's out in the world on its own, then I have this new child that I've been nurturing yep. and I got to yep. see this child. So, yep. you know, it's, there's no level of success. There's no award. There's no nothing that's going to stop the ambition. And I think when you look at celebrities and you look at people like a Jennifer Lopez, you know, she gets up every day to ch- to a new challenge. 
Yeah. You know, she's found success. She's found um, finances, wealth. Like, you yeah. know, she has everything you think would stop her at some point to say, what else do I need? Uh, no, yeah, correct. But she but, wants you know, more. Because it's our, we want more as people, yeah. right? And, yeah. and and we have this ambition to get up every day and to go get something, like to go hustle and go get. Do, do, do you, did you set goals? Did you have, I want to direct my own video. I want to, did you have stepping stones that you put in your own head? I think for me, um, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. And uh, I remember when it was time to go to high school and my mother took us on a tour of like the public high schools, right? And you have to get zoned to go to certain schools. So, you know, because I lived in this area, I was zoned to these schools. Sure. So we went on the first visit. You have to walk through metal detectors to get into the building, right? So my mother comes from a family in the Dominican Republic that's very educated, where her father was a doctor, her brothers are surgeons, you know, so she comes from this family. My father came from a family that was really like sort of low class, very poor, you know, joined the military and, you know, it's kind of self-taught, self-educated, right? So, you know, for him, the American dream was being in New York, right? And, and giving his children the American dream and providing a certain level of lifestyle for us. And that was better than the Dominican Republic. For my mother, it was education was key, right? So then she was like, there is no way I can send my children to school where they have to walk through a metal detector every morning because what that might do to their mentality, I don't know if I want that. So she, I, I was really smart in school. So I went to a private school, Archbishop Malloy, that was outside of my neighborhood. So now I'm going to a school that's maybe 10% urban. Mm. You know, and the rest of the kids are white kids from like middle class to rich homes. Right? So now I'm I'm like in an environment that's so outside my neighborhood. And and I saw these kids and their parents picking them up in Mercedes Benzes and all this stuff and I'm, you know, riding the train home to like the, the, the urban ghetto. And I was like, wow, people live good. Mm. Like, you know, I like I lived in a house in the ghetto. So for, for some of my friends that lived in apartments, I was like right. making it. So I was like, you know, there was like six of us living in a in a house, but we were like, you know, making it. And um I didn't know that. Children, like there were other kids that like their lives were paved in a different way. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, wow, I don't ever want to live bad again. Yeah. You know, and yeah. from that point, when I was in high school, I said, you know what? I'm going to make a change. You know, my this is a this is like running a race. So my father came from the Dominican Republic, was at the super of a building in the South Bronx, a, um, saved money, bought a small house in Jamaica, Queens that he had to rebuild with his own hands. And he handed me the baton. You know, and now he gave me the baton. He came from nothing, you know, and he got to this level where he could have me a baton, put me in the right school. He's killing himself to pay the tuition. Now I got to take that baton and I got to run with it. Mm. You know, from that point on, I said, you know what? I'm going to run. Did, I'm did, gonna run. Did, did they appreciate, did they understand what you wanted to do for a living? Not at all. Did, did they? No, not at all. Did they my support it? Thought he wasted his money. He was like, yeah. I wasted my money. And this guy wants to be a director? Like, what is that, Jesse? What is that? Show me another Dominican kid that's a director 
that you can pave your life after. And I was like, well, well, there is none. That's why there has to be one. You know, and of course, there were probably guys doing it like me, but nobody, sure. I could, nobody, nobody knew. that was a Spike Lee or somebody that I could look up to. So I was like, you know, I remember my father, because he was a man that worked with his hands, you know, would come home sometimes and be like, you're lazy, you're a bum, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dad, I'm working with my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, doesn't he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. He didn't understand it. And he hated hip hop because he, you know, I had gold teeth at the time. You know, I was like, my pants were like five sizes too big. And he was just like, you know, this is destroying you, you know? And um, then I remember one day coming home and my father's watching BT, like he's watching the countdown. And he was like, Tu video está numero siete in el countdown. Like, I was like, okay, papi. He was watching, he's like watching the countdown, telling me that I had a video that was number seven on the countdown. I was like, wow. I was like, all right, all right. So was yeah. that the first moment, was that the moment you knew you kind of got him on your side? Yeah, you know, I felt like, you know what, for my father was security, you know, he wanted to make sure that I was a man, I could stand on my own two feet, and he didn't want me like shooting for a dream. You know, he was a guy that came from such a bad place that, all he knew was that you had to work for it. You had to you had to earn the money. And he didn't see me earning money in this field. You know, he didn't understand it. But once he saw it and he saw it changing my life a little bit and he saw that I was putting in hard work just in, the, in something he didn't understand, he started supporting me. And, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago, but he got to go to, like, some of the premieres of my films. And I remember Soul playing. Like, my father didn't talk much. He never took pictures. And he came to me and goes, you get on that photo with Sofia Vergara. He wanted a picture with Sofia Vergara. And I was like, okay, Bobby, I get that. And it's the only, probably the only photo I have of my father smiling. He took wow. a picture with Sofia Vergara. Very so that cool. made me feel like, you know what? In my father's eyes, I made it. So let, let's, and again, Jesse, I'm coming at this from a, a fan of, of business, a fan of trying stuff. So Forgive my questions. I'm just kind of curious. For you, when it comes to you're, you're an artist and any artist, you've got your own opinion. So how do you manage the fact that you've got a, a person on their side, meaning the, the musician has got a view and you've got a different view of what this should be? Do you, how do you how do you not kind of. Do you give in? Do you not give in to the views of what, what it should look like, what it should feel like? You know, for me, I think that, uh, you know, in the beginning, I came up writing treatments for other directors, right? So I was part of the writing team with Diane Martell. I was part of the team with Chris Robinson. So part of my thing was writing creatives and, and pitching ideas. So it was one of the places where I grew the most before I became a director. So my ideas are very clear. So I feel like I've always had like a clear path to sell my concepts to artists. I'm actually doing a video now and I'm going through a similar thing where the artists, like I, I wrote what I thought was one of the better treatments that I wrote in a long time. And the artist wants to shift away from it. And I'm just like, wow, you know, this is like, like for me, I haven't done so many videos in a long time. So I felt like, wow, this is a great comeback video because this is like one of those things that's going to shake the ground visually, but they wanted something a little bit more simple and a little different. So I, I usually, unless I have a really strong relationship with the artist, don't bend. Cause if it's like a new artist, I'm like, you know what? If it's not a creative that I'm going to be behind, I don't need to do it. I don't need the money. 
you know, I, I'm not going to put myself in a bad scenario, but when it's friends and artists I deal with, I, I try to take a step back and say, you know what? Let me find my version of this, right? And, and I've done enough work to this point that I feel like, you know what? I can still create something cool. You know, I saw an interview, uh, and it, it just reminds me of this, uh, with Will Ferrell. And he was talking about how today um, comics don't write for them, don't write the material, meaning they're not doing their own treatment, coming up with their own stories. And the way he grew up was he's got to create the treatment and he can tell the story and be comedic. It's, it's for me, it sounds like listening to you, you, if you can do both, you're so much better off. Does, does that make sense? Yes, in total sense. Do you think, do you think with today's directors or today's people, they're, they're not doing the treatment, they're kind of listening to the other side, what do you want to do? And let's just go shoot that. Yeah, you know, I, look, I, I see sometimes like videos with directors uh, that I like their work and then I see them work with some artists and the work is like mediocre. And I think um, they're just not strong. Like, you yeah. know, meaning like, it's hard. Like if you're standing in front of uh, an artist, they're intimidating sometimes. And if, if they push back, the thing is, is like some people are so, and, and um, they're so wanting to get the job that they say yes, you know? Yeah. And they don't understand. Sometimes there's more power in no. Just correct. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So so for me, like if I say no, like people get like thrown back. Like, what do you mean you said no? Because I, I said no to this artist the other day and it caused a lot of drama for me, but I didn't like the song. And he couldn't get past the fact that I didn't like the song. And I told him, I said, look, I'm just not feeling it. It was like, you know, I listen to the music. I got to feel, I got to find something to attach myself to it creatively. And I told him, I said, I'm not feeling it for whatever reason. And I played it for DJ friends of mine. So I'm like, am I crazy? And they were like, yeah, I don't think it's, the song's not working, you know? So I told him, I said, you don't want me on set for 14 hours listening to a song I don't love. Because I know that the result of the product is not going to be strong. Um, how often does that happen that you don't like the you don't want to be involved in the song? I mean, I think it's more with like newer guys. You know, yeah. I, I tend to at this point in my career work with the top tier guys, and they come with good music. You, know? you must have you must have. Bob, I was telling you, I forget he passed on. Uh, what did he pass on? Uh, White Lotus. He's pissed because uh, who got the song? Who did White Lotus? Who the fuck did White Lotus? I forgot. But he passed on the song. He was pissed about it. Would you pass on anything you wish you wouldn't have in shooting the video? Oh, I, I, I passed on a bunch of songs. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Which? Which? What? You know what? At the time, I remember um, they sent me. And look, you don't pass because it's not officially your job. But you know, you get songs and you listen to them, and I and I and I remember um, uh, there was uh, my neck, my back. That song, my neck, my back. And when mm -hmm. I got it, I was like, I wasn't sure, you know. And at that time, I was doing all the G Unit videos. I was on fire, and I like, you know, you start thinking you're an A and R. You get the song, yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna work. And all of a sudden, bam, the song's a hit. And you know, there there was times that I I misread records, you know, and. And it happens, but you know they, you know, I, I, I think I made some really good choices in terms of like the records I did pick. You know, any is there any video that you think is made the song? 
that you think stands out as something that's bigger than the, than the, than the lyrics, than the music itself? I mean, for me personally, I, I think that um, sometimes it's just a good marriage. Yeah. Um, there are some some um, videos that help elevate and push a record. I think that, uh, you know, one of my favorite videos that I've ever done um, is Many Men. Yeah. We're 50. And I think that, you know, it embodied what he was at the time. You know, he, we did Wangster together. I didn't do um, In the Club or 21 Questions. And it was at a moment where he was going very pop. And then we did something that was super street and super edgy. And, and you know, at that time, people weren't doing those kind of videos. I felt like these, like, short films. And, um, you know, not that it made the song better, because I think the song was incredible already, but it was a great marriage. And sometimes you have, like, great marriage with music and imagery. You know, but it I, helps push the, the images more. But you, I'm sure you've seen video. I mean, even me, I see videos that I think are so cool. The song's okay, but the video, oh my gosh, it's it's it speaks. Oh, yes. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of times where, um, you know, you see, uh, look, a, a classic example would be that D'Angelo video that Paul Hunter did years ago where he was just like naked. Yeah. Right. Where all of a sudden, you know, this video comes out and bam, like that's a video that made that song, you know, what yeah. I mean? because yeah. whatever it did, you know, to D'Angelo. And, 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 you know, it was like he became like the biggest heartthrob of sex symbol because of that. Yeah. Right. So there's sometimes you, you hit a visual like that that just takes something to the next level. Uh, I think it. it I'm, do you ever no. catch yourself? Do you ever catch yourself looking to see how many views? something like Candy Shop is up to today? The thing is, is that um, when Candy Shop and those videos came out, we weren't chasing YouTube. We were doing MTV and these things like that. So yeah. those those are not going to have the views that like my Latin videos got. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm probably sitting on 20 billion views in some of the videos that I've done, but those videos I've done in the last six, seven years. So it's more like what I've been doing on the Latino side in the last six, seven years, that's garnered me all these views. Who's your favorite Latino artist right now? You know, it's hard to say favorite. If I if I pick that word favorite, I'm going to piss some people off. But, um, you know, I have a lot of strong relationships in that market. I, I think that, um, you know, me and Nicky Jam did a series together. I love Nicky. I spent a lot of time with him. He's one of the realest and purest guys that I know. Um I love Maluma. He's a, he, he, he worked well. with us on Bel Air. Maluma's great. He worked for us on Bel Air. He's awesome. He's awesome. You know, we seen and Dell. Like, there's so many guys, Daddy Yankee, you know. Hello, sorry. Oh, I think I paused. Okay. But Osuna, Bad Bunny. I mean, there's so many guys that I think are just incredible in this space. Do, do you... It's an interesting, the Latino music has blown up recently. You, you must agree. Oh, it's, you know, for me, it's not recently. For me, it's, um, it's been happening for a long time, you know, because I was going on tour with these guys. Like when uh, I was working with Weezy and Dell, it was like what 50 was at his height. And yeah. we were, between me and uh, their manager, Edgar Andino, we were involved because I was working with 50. He was managing Weezy Nandel. 
And we took um, 50 on tour with We City and Del to Venezuela, Colombia, and these different countries. What year was this? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure what year this was. Um, but it was that a moment where maybe like eight years ago. And um, it was at a moment where a lot of the hip hop guys weren't even touring Latin America. Yeah. Right. So, so the Latin artists were gigantic, you know, but they were big in countries where the record sales are not equivalent. So, Correct. Like, you know, and, and nobody's buying your album in Venezuela. They might bootleg it and then, you know, but they'll pay to go see you in concert. Right, so these guys had great tour potential, but they didn't have the record sales Correct. to get on the monitors in, in the U.S. What changed was that when the streaming companies came in, YouTube, Spotify, these companies, now people started looking at streaming numbers going, holy crap, like the Latino artists are, you know, billion views here, 100 million views here. And they're like, whoa, what's happening? You know, because now when you were on the even playing field, when it was just about consumption, People saw the power of Latin music. You know, now you had the data to support. Do, do, do you see, has that reinvigorated you in the sense of wanting to do more and more in that space? Yes. But, you know, for me, I was one of the early movers in the space. Yeah. Right. It was like I was working a lot at Interscope Records and um, Interscope signed Daddy Yankee. And at that time, they said, oh, there's a kid here who's Dominican who's working with 50 Cent. And they put me on the phone with Yankee. And I did a couple of videos for Yankee. And that sort of started opening the door for me on the Hispanic side because people started finding out that I was Dominican. And I started working with a lot of the artists. And I saw the growth. And I saw the shift, you know, where these guys were spending X amount of money. And in the general market, they were spending X amount of money. But this market was going like that. And this mark was literally going like that. And I used to complain about Spanish videos and the way they felt. And one of my friends one time said, hey, you can be you can continue to complain or you can be part of the change. You got to be. Yeah. 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 And I and I and I said, you know what? You're right. And it was a different feeling for me being Latino and never have explored my music. And I said, wow, you know what? If. You know, when what Hype Williams did to hip hop or what Paul Hunter and those guys were doing, like I should be the one that does it to, in this space or at least helps try to do it. So, I, you know, I started focusing my energy and ingratiating myself in the Hispanic market and then just shifted all my, you know, talent and energy to that. And, you know, and, and the market just kept growing and growing and growing. Do, do you find yourself trying to push the Latin community or the Latin artists to work with more with? And vice versa with the hip hop community. Yeah, you know, it's there, there's been a lot of those collaborations. You know, I like I like when it happens naturally. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like um, everybody's jumping on it now, yeah. and it's like you know, I don't know how many hip hop songs I can take with uh, you know, body going like it's caliente, mujeres, <laughs> like. There's so much I can take. It's like you don't gotta rap in Spanish. You can make a a a, a, a joint record. Where somebody raps in Spanish, you rap in English, and it works, and it's just organic. But I feel like there's so much of it now that some of the artists that are involved, I don't know if they have the passion for Latin music, you know? Like, it, it, and, and I think when people have done it and it's worked, when you see Cardi B team up with, yeah. you yeah. know, Bad Bunny, it works because it's, you know, it's organic. When you see yeah. some artists doing 50 did it when we see Andal, it worked because he loved the music, he loved the culture, like, and, and, and it works at times, but I feel like now it's an overload. 
And I just want to make sure that that people do it for the right reasons. Um, in 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 today, when you think about, I have my own views on today with respect to social media. Do you see videos changing based on the the, the mental capacity of people now online and watching stuff? Yeah, you know, I think that we're living in an era where it is about content. So back in the days, people wanted one incredible video. Now every artist wants a, a video for every song on the album, right? Because yeah. you, you, you developed a generation that grew up now watching music videos. And when they hear a song, they assume there's a video for it. And they go online right. looking for that video. Correct. So people now have to give them that content, you know? So I feel like in some areas, it forced people to say, you know what? I'm going to do a bunch of like low budget shitty videos. But on the higher scale, you see like Beyonce do Lemonade. Yeah. Like you see artists say, you know what? I'm going to give my fans a mini movie. I'm going to give something that's connected. I'm going to think about my music in a different way so that I'm giving people different experiences. But, you know, the music video thing is hotter than it's ever been. Ever since they even like raised the flag of quarantine saying, hey, we can shoot again. We've been nonstop like. I just came from a video set my company's doing. So I'm in Miami. I got a video shoot Monday and Tuesday. I mean, we've been pumping out videos and nobody's calling anymore for like, let's do one video. They're like, can we do three videos? So then, so so Jesse, take it to Instagram. And and again, this is just my opinion, but the attention span is so short. And if you don't hook them in those first 10, 20 seconds, you're going to lose them. Is it the same way with a video today too? Where you gotta, you feel like you gotta get them quickly, or else you're gonna lose them. I, I you know, I, I think so. I think that um, when you look at commercials sometimes, right, and and you're watching YouTube, you get a little bar that says "skip in five seconds." Correct. So that means if I'm shooting commercials, I gotta give you something to not make you press skip in five seconds. Correct. Right. So what am I gonna give you in the first five seconds that's not gonna make you go to something else? So we have to think about similar things. That's why, like, before, there used to be these long intros. Yep. Unless you're, unless you're Rihanna, these gigantic stars, nobody wants to sit through an intro, right? So you, you got to be smart in how you present your video because people do have, like, a click, click, click. There's so much music and so many options that you want to make sure that you hook them. So, like, you got to think about that. And I don't think a lot of directors these days are thinking that way. Like, yep. when we came up, I was looking at guys that were, in in my mind, incredible. Our references were coming from Kurosawa, Stanley Kubrick. They were coming from films. Then I was looking at guys like Francis Lawrence, you know, like different directors, Paul Hunter, Hype, and different people I was getting, you know, like watching them going, wow, I want to get to that level. Yep. I feel like people are basing a lot of their stuff on mediocrity because there's yep. just like a lot of videos out. So some guys like, he could do it, I could do it. But I'm like, yeah, that video sucks, though. You know, so, so they, you know, people are being ha- like these days are happy with like mediocre stuff to me. I'll give you an example. We did something with Lil Wayne with Bamboo, and uh, it was just the funniest content shoot. Just a hysteric. This is it's not a music video. It's just a content shoot. It was a video, and we put it. On, Wayne put it on his social, and the amount of views was terrible. It wasn't a lot at all. And he then he put out something um, 
that it's just some random thing he put out and the views were astronomical. I mean, a lot more. And what we realized was what we, sh the way we edited it looked too nice. Meaning it just didn't look natural. It didn't look kind of raw. It wasn't, you know, even just a, your iPhone. And as soon as we changed that, you know, and made it more simple, it just took off. Like, do you see that as well today? Yeah, you know, for me, I, I tell people, I was like, there's a, we're all living, you know, you, what was that movie with Jim Carrey where he was like, uh, you know, being followed by cameras? I forgot what the movie was. Oh. Like, Mr. Truman, the Truman yeah, Show. Truman like, Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you know, we looked at that then going like, wow, this is crazy. But yeah. now we're all living in the Truman Show. Right? So, so people are accustomed to this interaction. People are accustomed to following people in their everyday lives. People are accustomed to certain things. So I, I feel like sometimes the rawness and the realness is what people want. They, they, they're so used to it. They want to feel like something real. When it feels fabricated, they don't buy into it. You know, it's like if you're doing something with an artist and it's like too groomed and they're drinking champagne, like people are like, okay, this is an act. This guy doesn't really drink champagne. And, and, and you know, a lot of liquor companies don't like when you hold the bottle and you drink from the bottle, you know, because they're like, oh, it's a bad image sometimes from the liquor company. But if some rapper's running around with the bottle holding it and he feels the like the image you see in a nightclub, people are like, okay. They respond to it. He does this. This is what Correct. he does. Like, I believe it. I buy into it. So, look, I think there's, a, there's different ways to achieve that. There's different ways to do that. There's different ways to give that to the audience. Then you got to find the balance because there's so much of this on social media that you got to have the separation where somebody feels like a star too. Because, you know, the fans got inspired to be like that. They got to be like them. Yep. It's like, you know what? I don't want to, like that guy that's normal lives next door to me. Like I'm normal. I want to live like this person. So you got to find the balance of how you capture them and give them that little bit of that reality but show it a little bit larger than life because a lot of these visuals are aspirational. People want to live those lifestyles. Like you're selling a champagne because people want to drink champagne. That's not for everybody. You know? Just so, just so we're all clear, I'm perfectly fine if everybody holds the bottle and drinks out of the bottle. <laughs> oh, I know you Do are. your thing. Do your thing. I don't want to change anybody. Um, I, since you can work with anybody today, how do you feel about working with new artists? What's up? Since you can work with anybody today, how do you feel about working with new artists? I, I love new artists. That's honestly that that's my specialty. Why? My, my specialty because I was the guy that worked with new artists in the beginning. If you look at my career, I had a lot of guys first, right? So going back to Jill Scott, like Jill Scott when that did long walk, getting in the way. Um, that was, um, for me, it was her first video to the world, right? So I studied theater in college. I was a filmmaker. So sometimes from the theater aspect, I'm able to coach them, yeah. make them understand how to perform, how it translates. Wangster, Many Men, Candy Shop, like, and I worked with Young Buck, uh, Lloyd Banks, all those guys early, Young Jeezy early right so a lot of artists if you look uh, maluma early 
right? So if you look at a lot of the artists I worked with, I worked with Maluma and then did 13 videos, right? Yeah. So I'm, a lot of times I'm like part of the journey. We see me and Dell 17 videos. Like I'm part of the journey where I'm one of those guys that helps sort of shape the artist because I'm more of an idea guy. I'm not like a one-off music video guy. You know, I'm not making music videos for my reel. I'm like looking at an artist and going, you know what? This is what this artist needs. And I'm helping mold a story because I'm like, it's a reality show. Yep. Fans are buying in and I, and I take them on the journeys. Like I'm doing the episodic television with these music videos and they're seeing that growing with the artists every step of the way, you know? So, so, you know, a lot of times I love working with new artists because it allows me the ability to think and create. Does, does, uh, if you could give advice to an, a new artist, what do you tell them with respect to the videos? Forget the music, just the videos. Yeah, what I tell them is that sometimes new artists are looking at um, other artists, right? So they want a copy of something they've seen. They say, yeah. hey, let me copy this. So yeah. I want to look like this. And they walk out on set and I'm like, shit, with the sunglasses on, you could be these seven artists. Like, sure. There's nothing about that. That's separating you. And I tell them all the time, I say, you have to separate yourself. Yeah. You have to create your own identity. When I walk in the mall, I tell them, I tell them, I give them all the same speech. So when I walk in the mall and I look around the mall, I can tell you who each person in the mall listens to. Because they embody the artist. You know, yeah. you can tell like, oh, these kids love this guy. These kids love Bad Bunny. These kids love Anuel. Because they carry a little bit of that image, you know, and, and when fans love you, they emulate you a little bit. They want to become you. And if you're copying somebody else's style, they don't want to be you because you're trying to be somebody else. Correct. I remember this is a good story for you. I remember Drake came to our office in New York years ago and uh, uh and I, I love meeting artists. I love talking. Same thing. I love talking to people. I love getting ideas and Drake, we sat down. I said, what do you want to do? And what do you like? What are you thinking about? What do you He's like, I want to do anything Jay does. I want to do anything Jay does. I'm like, but that that defeats the purpose. Like, Jay is Jay. Like, you got to do your own thing. So let's figure out your own thing here. But I agree with you on that. It's that idea of finding their own voice. And what do they want to look like and feel like out there? Do they listen? The thing is, is, is that when you look at Jay-Z, Let's talk about that era. When you look at Jay-Z, you look at Nas, you look yeah. at these guys, like they were all like, if you were, they were superheroes, they were their own superheroes, right? Like, and you think about rappers in that era, right? You could identify them. Correct. Now, and I'm not knocking nobody, but now, like, you don't know who sings what song because Correct. they're like all so similar in style and look, you're like, whoa, like, who's who, who's what, you know, like. When you hear Kanye or guys like that, or even Tyler, the creator, or certain artists, you get a breath of fresh air because you're like, it goes so against what's happening. You know, you like to, you know, be able to identify. Do you think there's clearly huge opportunities with social media today with for artists? But don't you think in some ways, like in in our era, and I'm older, but our era. All those artists that you just mentioned are going to be iconic for life. You think no one will ever take that away. But in today's up and coming world, 
they could be here today and gone tomorrow because there's everybody's famous now. Everybody's famous. Well, that's what Andy Warhol said, right? Yeah. We're all going to get our 15 seconds of fame or 15 minutes of fame. I, you know, I, I think that uh, back in the days, people were trying to be legends. Yeah. Nowadays, people call themselves legends. Yeah. And, and they think because they put a bunch of goat emojis that they're, they're a legend, you know? And, and I think that that's the difference is that people knew then that the opportunities weren't there. So they knew that, you know what, one of these kids out of 100 got a record contract. Yeah. So when Nas came, his album had to be the best, song for song, the whole album. Jay-Z knew that. Now any kid could put out their music. So they're not working as hard because the opportunity's there. They get one hot single, they go on the road. They're not working on their records, you know what I mean? The competition's a little bit different, and the playing field is different. And a lot of these kids, they can take the title of being hot. Yeah. But when you look back five years from now, that same top 10 list might also, sorry, that takes that same top 10 list might alter a couple of artists and make space for Drake and make space for Kanye, make space for a couple of artists, Kendrick or somebody else. But it ain't making space for the majority of these guys. Correct. Talk about, for me, uh, Cinema Giants. For me, to me, it was like um, Cinema Giants was, for me, it was like um, I was working a lot in the business. And um, my companies always had my name. So they came called like Torero Films, Torero Digital, whatever it was. Bunch of stuff for like Hispanic and urban content. And at one point, they were like, we should get you to do some of the general market stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm American. So that makes sense. And um, on the general market side, the brand was like, you know, they might've Googled me. Right. And they might've saw a couple of pictures of me with some rappers in the club. And they were like, yeah, we just don't think Jesse understands the general market, you know? And I was like, wow. So, so I was like, damn, I've been working with you guys for two years doing the Hispanic stuff and the African American stuff. But now all of a sudden, I can't do stuff that's outside of that space, you know? And I've delivered great work for lower budgets because the- Wait, Hold on, I, don't want to say, I just have to tell you something. I, I saw an interview of you and I love this line, my camera isn't Latino. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you got to use that as a slogan right there. No, I try because, you know, they judge you and I'm like, I'm using the same camera, the same tools that I Correct. was taught in school. Like my camera's not Latino, why are you judging me? So one day I was angry because I lost this, you know, all this work. And then I was like, you know what? I got to take my name off it because like I'm hurting the company, right? Because yeah. they're now judging it based on what I'm doing. And I'm like, you know what? Being a, a small company in Hollywood is just a tough thing and Latino owned. And I was just like, you know what? They, they keep treating me like the little guy. And I told them, and in my mind, I was hiking. I said, one day I'm going to walk through this town like a giant. I'm going to stomp through this town because I'm a cinema giant. That's who I am. I'm going to stomp through this town and I'm going to show them who I am. And then I was like, Cinema Giants. I like that. And I looked it up. I'm like, I'm like running through the, the my hike. And I was like, nobody owns the domain name. I'm like buying it on the hike. And then I was like, you know what? That's who I am, a Cinema Giant. And it doesn't matter what world I work in. It's a generic name. And I'll tell you, when I changed my name to Cinema Giants, I tripled the business that I've done. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And I've, gotten, I've gotten on the phone with people and somebody will say, you know, Jesse's the owner of the company. And like, 
they don't even want to hear it. Like, they can't even fathom that I'm the only. They just assume somebody else is. And I just like, fuck it, let them assume. And I'm just there as a director. Does, does that kind of piss you off? It, it pisses me off. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, um, I don't get caught up in things like that. Because yeah. if you get caught up in stuff like that, it's like I tell people, a lot of my friends, especially friends that are urban and, you know, and, and when people talk about color and, you know, this or you're not black or you're Latino, you're this and that. I'm like, OK, if there was a line and there was white and there was black, what side am I on? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm only on one side. So I've been living on that side my whole life and I don't make any excuses. Like you don't you don't come in the football field and try to change the game. Like, yeah. You throw the ball, you fucking score, you go across. Yeah. So, so Hollywood. I'm not trying to change the game. You know, I'm just trying to play and yep. we'll change it within the game. I got to play by the rules and I'm not, I'm not waiting for somebody to tell me I can do this. I'm finding my own ways to do it. Do you see um, with, with everything going on with George Floyd and the movement and black lives matter, do you see, do you see um, you doing treatments, including concepts and ideas in the time? Do you know what I mean? You know, for me, um, I think that George Floyd was an example of a point in our lives where we've had enough, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying, you know what, it's not about that individual thing, but it's about all the things that were happening and we've had enough. You know, my concern is that we're at a point where we're driving hate now, Yeah. you know, and I'm a little concerned about what that feels like, you know, and hate's not the answer. You know, so I'm continuing my journey. My journey has always been to project the right images, give the right opportunities for people of color and, you know, all people, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to alter things because I feel like it needs to be done. That was always part of the mission statement at Cinema Giants. I, especially on the Latino side, I always felt that there was a lack of content for us. You know, I came up in the hip hop world. Juice was the first film I've ever worked on. And seeing what happened with Tupac and the sort of birth of black cinema in the sense of like mainstream with Menace of Society, Boys in the Hood and Friday and all these movies that were happening in that era. I saw hip hop push and help drive that. And I'm like, reggaeton is gigantic, but we don't have a TV show. We don't have films. We don't have movies. So, you know, everybody has to do their part, you know, and I right. play my position. It's like when you look at a team you know everybody can't be the quarterback right Correct. some people have to be the running back so yeah. i'm doing my part as much as i can to educate my people educate the audience do things that push people forward give the right opportunities at the right times to the right people and make sure that i'm opening enough doors so that people that look like me feel like oh wow i can i can do it too when their father says show me somebody who's done it they can say look look i've done it Jesse Very Carell cool. did it. This person did it. You know. So Jesse, what do I, I? Since you're you're a, you're a film major, you direct. Favorite film of all time? Uh, you know that's tough because I think during as the years progress, I just gravitate and love movies. And that you know, I remember growing up, I loved Full Metal Jacket. I was a really big fan of Stanley Kubrick. Um, I remember loving Rashomon with, you know, Kurosawa. Scarface was a favorite. Then, you know, you see things like Goodfellas. Um, 
City of God was one of my favorite films of all time. Um, y tu mamá también. You know, you start, you know, you start watching these different things and 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 different things hit you in, in a different way. You know, so for me, it's like as the years progress, there's movies that I love and, you know, I, I don't have like in my mind a favorite. So can I give you one? Can I give you mine? Yes. Uh, if you ever, I don't want to overhype it. I just, I, for some reason, I've always loved it is The Man Who Would Be King. You know, I have to see that. I didn't it, see The Man Who Would Be King. It's Sean Connery. You have to see it. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. So that's mine. Um, All right. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to send you a message. When but I, I don't want to overhype it. I don't want to overhype it because it'll ruin it. <laughs> it'll ruin it. Um, but Jesse, I really appreciate, well, for, I actually want to say something. If you ever need our brands and ever need support, ask. I think that's the one thing I wish more people would do is there's not a lot of us uh, – I wish there was more corporate, the corporate world investing in, in the music space and video space and other things, but we, we constantly do and constantly want to. So always think of us as out there for you guys. Um, well, I appreciate that. And I, you know, honestly, uh, I've seen even what you've done with Maluma or Rick Ross that I know that you're on the braver side. Cause sometimes like, especially with a Rick Ross, the music is not always as clean as some of the brands would like. So no, but what you said, that you've empowered that. But what you said, Jesse, is I completely, I, I live by, which is it's organic. I don't want to change anybody. I don't want to change. you got to be who you are. Uh, if you drink it this way, if you hold it that, I don't care. It's, it's, if, if I have to change you, then something's wrong. Um, I'm and that's, you know, I've done videos where the brands are like, he can't hold it in his no, hand. He can't. <laughs> I, I, and I've, I've seen it too. Trust me. I've had seen brands where they freak. I don't really give a shit. I mean, that's life. You know, uh, I don't put anything on my hot dog. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's considered just, you can't do that in Chicago, but, but, uh, uh, but if you think of us, do think of us that way. But I, I really appreciate the time. I, I love learning. I love getting inspired. I think everybody who I talk to gives me like another adrenaline shot for I want more. It's not more for me, but I just want to do more um, and share more and try things and give back. And I think you epitomize that, which is awesome. And uh, uh, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for the champagne. Of course, I've been drinking a while. I've, I've been playing, you know, I've had my daughter, so I've been playing daddy. So I, I haven't had a glass of anything. And my mom came to visit me in Miami to help me out. So I was able to have something. Thank you very much. Please, please, please make sure she gets some too, or otherwise I'll be pissed. She was eyeing the rum. <laughs>